0: Blog Talk Radio. I got my cell phone on silence, and I hope nobody calls on the home phone, because I don't know how to silence that. But if they do, I'll mute myself so it doesn't bother us. This is Dave Gahari. You're listening to Who's the Bad Guy on the Overthrown Radio Network. Go to overthrowradio.com. My show is on Wednesdays from 11 to 1 Eastern Time on Mondays, Paul Angel's show history today, which is from 10 to noon Eastern. And of course, with the summer and everything, you know, we've been on and off as we have families to attend to and and children to attend to, so forgive us if um, we are not on regularly, but we will be coming up when the summer's over. So, of course, most of our listens are to the archives versus the live. Today might be a little different, I think, but um, we'll see. And I encourage you to call in and ask questions of the guest today. And the number, of course, is 347-215-7292, 347-215-7292. That's the guest call-in number, of course, if you're listening to this show. You will see that on the web page. And let me finish up here, promoting the radio network on Fridays. We have Chris Petherick, that's the farm political news from main Street perspective. Chris had a big show last week. I think it was no, actually, it was a week before it was uh august twenty eighth He had Jim Spoonius on from Karatech and that literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people have tuned into that show for one reason or another, so that's a good thing. And I don't know if if our Sunday show is still on with Beth Baptista or Topetti. That was Harvesting Truth. I don't know for sure. She might be taking a little break with the summer and everything, and. And the family and the kids and all that stuff. So, at any rate, go to com and you could see this, the schedule there. And let me tell you about our show. Actually, we have somebody calling in right away, but uh, they're just listening. I don't think they want to talk. I think you have to hit like number one in order to ask a question or something like that. But at any rate, let me tell you about our guest today. We're going to be joined by David J. Dionisi, who's going to discuss a few of his books. He's written several books. He's going to be discussing 9-11, The Secret War, and the occult religion of the 9-11 attackers. Of course, this is because today is September 9th of 2015, and in two days we're going to have the anniversary the 14-year anniversary of the September 11th false flag terrorist attacks. So it's timely that this show has Dave on, and Dave does many other things. He's an incredible guy, and we're going to hear about that. Let me see if I can get Dave on the line here. Dave, are you out there?
1: I am here. All right, Dave.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Uh,
1: It's a real pleasure, Dave.
0: Great. And Dave got up early for the show. Dave's out on the left coast, so uh, it's about 8 o'clock in the morning there. So, uh, Dave, have you had your coffee yet? Oh, I'm ready
1: to go. My kids are off at school already. All
0: right. Another one with kids. Well, Dave, let's get right into the show here, okay? And as I mentioned in the introduction, you've written many books. I think, how many, about 10 or more?
1: Um, I think... About nine, because uh, a few of them have been just updates of earlier works, so about nine books, Dave. So,
0: so only nine, okay. Well, before we get into nine eleven, Dave, and then later on to another topic, why don't you, for the benefit of the listeners, give them a little bit of background about who you are, where you were born, what you did, your education, military service, if you had any, of course I know you did, and um, corporate uh, history, and so on.
1: Well, I am originally from Massachusetts, and I, as a young man, thought I would be a career military officer. I went into the Army and was an intelligence officer, but I have not worked with the government for um, about 30 years. I I got out in 1988, but that was a very interesting experience because it helped me see one dimension of, of... Uh, really what I specialize in, which is helping people see solutions to overcoming evil. And uh, there is an organized group. You know, sometimes it's thought of as as an international banking cartel, um, but it's actually something more than that. And so I was able to see one dimension of that working in the intelligence service. And then I became uh, a corporate executive. I was a senior officer, a a board-level approved um, executive uh, at MetLife, and at that level in the financial world, I was able to see another dimension of how uh, the world's being organized and, and from behind the scenes moved into a, a one-world framework. And uh, the last 10-plus years, I've been a full-time volunteer, and I've been working primarily uh, helping people learn the truth as well as with acts of kindness um most of them being in Liberia, Africa, uh, with a, a program for poor children um, that helps them live with the dignity that God wants for, for all of us. So that dimension of working actually internationally has helped me see um, with more clarity what's really going on in our world. So <clears throat> the result is um, I feel blessed to be able to help people see that there are solutions to the greatest problems that are in front of us, it's just that often we're not being told what these solutions are, and we're not even being told correctly what the problems are. Yeah, well, I guess there's a reason why they're not, right? That's because they know that in the past they, <clears throat> they've been defeated when people have become educated. And so that's why there's a book series that I've written called The Vigilant Christian. It's designed to help people really see how we're being deceived. In the Bible, there's a statement by Jesus in Matthew 24:24 that says, if possible, even the elect will be deceived. And we live in a time where we all have to be open to the fact that on some level we're being deceived. And when in doubt, what I do and with the foundation uh, that I work with, the Teach Peace Foundation, we promote that be kind, be generous, be patient, be loving. When in, dull, when in doubt, if you err on that side, you won't look back thinking you made a mistake. And so a lot of the messages that we see on TV, in the news, they're designed to make us afraid, they're designed to divide us so that we will do just the opposite. And the the truth of it is most people are really good people. The number of people who are orchestrating this kind of evil a uh, relatively very small number and uh super wealthy. I mean they're they're the billionaire plus class. They're the people that typically most of the people listening to this uh this radio interview will never meet a single time in their lifetime.
0: And that's a good thing. <laughs> Cuz I don't think I'd want to meet them.
1: Well, I, I think that's an important point to remember because they try to Divide us, and they try to get people working for peace, working for the truth, to fight amongst themselves, so they won't see really who the true enemy is. That's why during the Vietnam era, there was a program called COINTELPRO, that literally, you know, it it made people in the peace movement think that other people in the peace movement were different by uh, fabricating phone calls, by deleting communications, uh, all kinds of things, putting out false rumors, false claims about people. And uh, those strategies are still being used today. It's just that it's much more uh, cleverly executed today. (laughs) So um, anyone who's telling the truth, typically they're going to go out of their way to suppress any knowledge that that person exists. And the people that are promoting their agenda on some level, they'll make sure that they get the visibility. So even within the dissent group or the people that are working, say, for 9-11 Truth, often the names that are best known are the names that are secretly serving this, this purpose. People just don't realize it. That's
0: right, exactly, and that's been well documented. And it's so good to hear somebody say it, somebody with the background that you have. So let's get into 9-11, Dave. And like I said, we're going to be talking about some other topics as well. But you have written these books on 9-11. And let me ask you this, Dave. It's been several years since they've been published, explaining, of course, what really happened on September 11, 2001. What exactly would you
1: like people to know about the books? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, First of all, 9-11, The Secret War, is the first book, and to this point in time, the only book to accurately explain what really happened, both in terms of who, how, and also the spiritual dimension. Now, there are many good books out there that come close, but I make that claim that sounds like a very bold claim. And as we go through this discussion, I think you'll see why that claim actually stands and has two feet. The other point is if you take a look, we were talking about how there's a real effort to suppress knowledge of people who are telling the truth. That book, 9 11 The Secret War, the other books, I mean, last year alone, uh, there were over 11,000 books that were shipped from the Teach Peace Foundation. So now we're going back many years, many, many thousands of books. If you go on Amazon.com right now and you look for the book reviews for this book, 9-11, The Secret War, there's either zero or one or some ridiculous number like that. Okay, And if you look at many of my other books, Dave, you know this for a fact. The uh, American Free Press ended up selling, I think, over a 1,000 Atomic Bomb Secrets books. If you go to the Atomic Bomb Secrets on Amazon, you'll see same thing. I just checked this morning. There wasn't a single review when I pulled it up. Now, this is an example of how the the um, very powerful behind-the-scenes suppression of truth works. People, they go on the website, they figure, hey, this book can't be worth anything. You know, look at uh, David Ray Griffin's book. has got hundreds of people that have commented on it, and this book has no one. And um, the publisher, I recently had a book published in Japan. It was on July 18th in uh, Tokyo. And the Tokyo publisher said to me, he said, Dave, we've never seen anything like this. We've sold 1,400 copies of your book, and there are no Amazon reviews. Our our own staff that have read the book are trying to comment on Amazon, and they can't get a comment on Amazon. He said, there's an all-out information war to suppress this. I said, of course, it makes sense. He says, we know it makes sense. You've got the first book ever published in Japan, Exposing Japan had an atomic bomb program. We know the government's going to go to great lengths. I said, I know this because I've experienced this in the past with books like 9-11, The Secret War. So you know, just be aware of the fact that sometimes the book on Amazon with zero reviews <laughs> is maybe the book worth reading.
0: Well, that's I mean I mean that's incredible in a, in and of itself. To think that here's a company that I use and I've used Amazon since the late 1990s, and I buy a lot of books from them, mostly uh, used books you know for a penny and 3.99 shipping. But if you think about here's a company that's supposed to be obviously just a company, right? I mean, why would they care who leaves a review? Why would they care how many reviews are up there? But what you're saying is that that review process is corrupted. Clearly
1: so oh, absolutely! If, if, if yeah, but if that's the
0: case, Dave, if that's the case that this review process here is corrupted, what that means is that there are people working at Amazon whose job it is to to censor comments. That I mean, that's what it would have to be. Clearly, I mean, there would be no other Dave, explanation. Uh, right?
1: Yeah, at this point, all the big companies, um, you know, the the big Fortune 500 companies are in the control. And so what, what um, like when I was a senior exec at MetLife, we had special agreements with the NSA in terms of information that was shared with them. I mean, that's happening with Amazon, that's happening with everyone. And it's all part of this big NSA intelligence gathering effort, right? They Company executives go along with it because they fail. Okay, we're helping um, the war, you know, the war against terror. They don't realize that the NSA was created and is ultimately controlled by another power, and that's why um, you know it's really important for people. If, you, if I'll give you an example, um, whether it's Edward Snowden or any of the other big whistleblowers, if they end up having a uh, a book or or something like that that gets published. <clears throat> Take a look at the big, big publishing companies and what what happens to really ultimately corrupt or suppress that. There are many examples, by the way, of Amazon participating with the government uh, more more openly. So if anybody wants to look into that, they won't have any problems finding it. My point is there is an all-out effort on things that are absolutely true. And what makes my books unique is, unlike, um, like I remember talking with David Ray Griffin early on, and I had just got back from doing... um, an interview with Osama bin Laden's sister in the United Arab Emirates. And so I'm traveling, you know, to these places, doing firsthand interviews, and I said to him, I said, you've got serious mistakes in your work. Please, you know, come. I, I said, I will buy the plane ticket with you for you. Come with me and, and, and meet some of these people and learn for yourself. And it's because I think that so many people were afraid to... Literally go into the Muslim world at that point, um, not realizing that they would be treated, you know, uh, with great hospitality. Uh, the, the real risk when you go on a trip like that is not from the local people that you're visiting or or bin Laden's family or anything like that. The risk is from groups like the Mossad that find out that you're getting to the truth and they don't want you to know the truth because it serves their agenda for that to not be known. And so, yes, there are some risks involved. I, I'm, I'm not going to downplay that, but, it, but they're not coming from where people think they're coming from. Um, so, you know, in the process of doing these firsthand interviews, I learned early on that things were very, very different. Now, we know in the United States that for many people 9-11 was an eye-opener because they saw three buildings fall when there were only two aircraft. And that literally, to this day, is one of the biggest um kind of catalyst moments that I've identified to help people understand this hidden power. Um, what I have identified using their internal name as a brotherhood of death. So that's why you see my books, specifically the book with the title Defeating the Brotherhood of Death, You know, focused on that specific name. But this group uses many different fronts. They use many different subordinate secret societies. It's all working for a common goal. And that common goal is more than just you know material wealth. That's why when you think of it as an international banking cartel, that's close but it's not fully correct. And with 9/11, there were so many uh wonderful courageous efforts to tell the story correctly about 9/11 and I applaud those. But ultimately 9/11 was about spiritual uh objectives more than material and that's where most of the books Falls short. Matter of fact, there is no other book that's even remotely close to what people will find in Vigilant Christian Three: the occult religion of the 9-11 attackers. Because that book documents not just the Kabbalah special numbers, which some people identified early on because of their knowledge of Kabbalah, but identifies uh, what ritual is being performed and how they're setting up the next ritual with the new architecture that's being constructed at ground zero so it's it's a very very difficult book for people to believe of all the of all the books I've written that's the hardest one because it requires you not only to have a knowledge of who this cartel is, not only to have a knowledge of the mechanics of nine eleven how it was done, why insider trades are placed, all these different things it all it requires you to have some knowledge of the religion that these small but very powerful people um follow, and with that you can you can really. 911 with a whole new set of eyes and and one one that will help you realize just how e- how truly evil this group is.
0: And what are they planning?
1: Well, there's another certainly 911 that's being planned. Um from everything that I can see, the next one will be in Chicago. But um it's too early to say and I don't have enough information to say that with concrete proof what you'll find in my books by the way another thing that makes them unique is what I do put out there is supported and um it's supported you know with such careful documentation that it allows the reader to do their own research and authenticate what's what's said so you know if we step back for a moment just about everything most people have ever heard about 9/11 has been from someone on TV who's not conducted the first hand interviews, who's literally reading the script. Okay? This even includes the so called experts. If you look at the experts from this institution or that foundation or whatever, they're very often people with a PhD who did not conduct first hand interviews. They're reading some report and if you keep going back further and further, uh you'll you'll find that a lot of the information was known early on. Like, for instance, I remember in a 2005 interview, I was being told that Osama bin Laden was being held in captivity in Pakistan. So, you know, you think about from 2005 to 2011 when he was finally killed in Pakistan. Um, Allegedly. You know, all the not. Yeah, all the. Well, actually, if, you know, I look to what his family says as being very uh, important in all of this. And his his family acknowledges that he was killed on May 1st in 2011 and so i also support that it also makes perfect sense with their uh... belief system and in their belief system they save their most special um, human sacrifices for may first again that's understanding the religion the bigger context and everything so yes there's a lot here it's very difficult to put your mind around uh... the president of italy was early on <laughs> former president of Italy was one of the for, uh, foremost people to to nail it early on uh when when he said it was published in the uh um uh, mean a major paper in Italy uh, uh the Cura della Sera he, he he published that it was orchestrated by some of the world's most powerful people working together using the intelligence services that they control with the Mossad and the, the CIA being directly involved to perpetrate this this massive false flag operation to help advance the world to move toward a one world government. That's exactly what happened. And so the perception management campaign since then has been very very aggressive. I mean, as you would expect it to be. And as a result, to this day, the, there are many people that know that don't. No, three buildings fell. So that that's why you can't assume people know that. And when you say to no, someone, no, I, you I remember. Know that's true. Yeah, so I I often start from there and then move forward because that is the smoking gun. Building seven, you know, also known yeah. as the Solomon Brothers Building, that's the smoking gun. And then from there, once they have that, people can go to deeper concepts. Like for instance, why was Building Seven numbered number seven? Why was it called the Solomon Brothers Building? It's because in the ritual. The number seven has a very specific meaning. The Solomon brother name has another has a very specific meaning. In, in the in the ritual, it's the Temple of Solomon that's between the two towers. I mean, all of this stuff is explained in very you know in detail in the third book, and it'll be hard for people to put their mind around just talking about it initially. But I'll give you a little feel. Like this is surface level, okay, Dave, for people. Mm-hmm. So if you take a look at in their in their worldview number nine is the most evil, okay? And 11 is the number for ritual magic. So when they combine the number 9 and 11, it means most evil ritual magic. Magic, Okay? If there's research, very significant scholarly research has been done to show that the actual true birth date for Jesus was on nine eleven, on that September 11th. So in their belief system, which may be right about the claim about Jesus... They're reenacting something that is truly unholy to counter something that was very holy on 9/11. So then, if you take a look at um, other key numbers in their system, like a lot of times you'll you'll see 555, like the Pentagon, you know, it's five sides, five rings, five stories, okay? Or the Washington Monument is 555 feet tall, that kind of thing. Um, That number represents in their belief system the highest death. But what they're doing is they convert feet into inches. So, so five 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 feet is actually six thousand six hundred and sixty inches. In their belief system, they can drop the zero, so they end up with six six six, which is a number most of your listeners are going to be aware of means something to people who worship evil. So, you know, a lot of these kinds of things like. Um, uh, 5 representing death, or the number 77 representing power. These all will make a lot of sense when you start looking at the specific story of 9-11. Like you have 5 terrorists hijacking a 757 to bring death to power, right? All this kind of stuff. What I'm saying is that's the surface level. You go go much deeper than the Kabbalah numbers and all that stuff, and understanding what really happened on 9-11 when you start to look at the specific monuments the ones before the destruction the ones after and you'll see a story i mean it's it's not an example dave uh, or it's not a a mistake that you see a minaret on top of the one world tower right now the minaret means something very special and you know and just step back for a second here we have an attack that's allegedly you know performed by 19 muslim men with box cutters and then the okay. the 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 tower for the one world building is a minaret, right? It just doesn't make any sense. But, the, uh, of course, those 19 uh, men weren't responsible. It's just part of the nonsense that people bought into. And another thing that will speak, by the way, for the value of the books and, and, and my credibility is if people go to earlier books, they'll notice that I wrote about what was going to happen at Ground Zero before it happened, So back when the official version was the what is now the One World Building, when it was called the Freedom Tower, I was explaining it was going to be actually called something different. It was going to be called the One World Building, and you can take a look at the publication date of the book, you know, all these other things that just have lined up because for them they need to create this this ritual at Ground Zero, Uh, and as a result that leads to the construction, you know, the, the actual configuration of the construction. So there's a lot here. It's a part of the story that many of the listeners have, I'm sure, never heard before. But without understanding the spiritual dimension of what happened on 9-11, all the other details, important as they are, whether it be on insider trading or, or whatever, um, just won't be fully understood.
0: Mm, excellent. And there's a link here in this interview where you could click on that and and pick up the books if you like now let me just open up the lines here. I know we have somebody here listening through the studio, but they they're not asking a question, but uh if this person would like to hit 1 and ask a question for Dave about this, that'll be fine. Also, let me give the number again for anybody who would want to call in to ask a question. It's 347 347- Two one five seven two nine two three four seven two one five seven two nine two. And Dave, before we move on to another topic, I just wanted to ask you something real quick about this because you mentioned that former Italian. I, I do remember that that former Italian president or whoever he was, who uh, who said what he said. I don't know what happened to this guy. Is he gone? Did he disappear? He, but, yeah, um, he
1: he died, Siglia. He he died, but he was. An older man, so when he did die, not many people paid any attention to it. It might have been a natural death. It might have been something that was advanced by by hidden power. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, he's gone, supposedly. But here you mentioned, or he mentioned, the Mossad, and, and then you mentioned the Solomon building. And, of course, the Mossad is Israel's secret service, like, I guess, the counterpart to... MI6 or the United States' Central Intelligence Agency. But, I mean, that's a tiny little country. Really, I mean, they don't have much in the way of resources. They're, They're not really a world power. Why is it that the Mossad and Solomon brothers and, you know, why is it that a lot of people point the finger to the Mossad, point the finger to the Jews, or the elite Jews, not, of course, your average run-of-the-mill Jew.
1: Okay, yeah, that's a great question. And also, for anyone listening, if they want to check on... Uh, it's Francisco Casiglia, the former pre- president of Italy. His article was on November thirtieth, two 2007, in the Cura della Sera. And, and his specific... Um, Excerpt that's the most famous in that article. I'll, I'll just read briefly. It's, it's from sources near to the Palazzo Chigi, the nerve center of Italian intelligence. We know that the video of Osama bin Laden is fake because in it, Osama admits that he was the master hind behind the attacks against the Twin Towers. While all the democratic groups in Europe and the USA know very well that the, attacks, that the attack was organized by the CIA and Mossad with the help of the Zionist world, just to blame Arab countries and provide a reason for the invasion of both Iraq and Afghanistan. That is why nobody in Parliament gave solidarity to Berlusconi, who is the author of the fake video. So this is pretty powerful. This guy is the former president, Italy was also head of their intelligence services at one point, and he's saying very directly that you know Berlusconi was responsible for that video. The one thing he missed again, that most people missed, is the reasons were much bigger than just invading Iraq and Afghanistan. That was certainly part of it. But uh, this this advancing spiritually to a one-world government and a one-world religion, um, he he, he apparently wasn't aware of or or at least didn't mention it in that excerpt from the Mm -hmm. article. Now, on your question, Dave, their ultimate fallback is if they get caught, they always set up um, Jewish people to take the blame because they actually want Jewish people to be persecuted. And for this reason, some of the most powerful families in the Brotherhood of Death are are appearing to be um, practicing Jews. They have Jewish names, Jewish identities, and they use Judaism for their advantage. You'll see uh, there are rabbis that are hard at work that are trying to expose that this is what's really going on. And the reason for this is in their religion um they they believe in a god and the god that they believe in is the historical enemy of the god of the Jews, Muslims and Christians, okay? The god of Abraham. And if you go back to ancient Egypt, it's perhaps the easiest for people. Uh, the story of the pharaoh and Moses is well known. Well, if you remember the pharaoh, the god of the pharaoh was the enemy of the god of Moses. And that belief system it really captures what's going on today because it is the same religion that's being practiced. The people that are in the brotherhood of death believe it doesn't really matter how you treat other people. What really matters is that you acquire wealth and power and that you can put this wealth and power in a pyramid and continue to live eternally with it, take it to the next realm, that kind of thing. Whereas the people who worship the God of Abraham, they uniformly believe blessed are the weak, the humble, the, You know, uh, there's beauty in poverty, um, that you need to use your wealth. Uh, we're all children of God. You need to use your wealth to help people, and um, and and we also, you know, those of us uh, certainly the Abrahamic faiths, we believe that there's life after this life. So that war, that very spiritual war, that according to the Brotherhood of Death, predates the flood, uh, goes back to the Atlantis. You know, things that are now considered to be mythical. But in, in reality, may have actually occurred. And uh, the, these things, the, these battles, Nimrod, all of these things are very, very important to them, as they are to Christians, but in very different ways. So the leading families that are in the cartel, they believe that they are descendants of Nimrod. So if you think about Nimrod, he's the first person identified in the Bible after the flood is rebelling against God. That's what the word Nimrod means. So you know, these are really, really kind of um, um, historical bloodlines Very, it's very consistent throughout time most people don't have a lot of knowledge about ancient Babylon or other periods in history so that's why I like to talk about ancient Egypt because it seems most people can identify, yep, there was a god in ancient Egypt that was the enemy of the god of the Hebrews and then if you look at today everything that you see that has a uh, a major kind of false flag operation has the fingerprints of, you know, Jewish people all over it because they ultimately know if people get close. They're going to use that historical trigger and put a witch out, uh, a witch hunt out there for uh, people that are Jewish, in order to buy them time to escape and re- reassemble under a new right, identity. Right,
0: but then the Jews are just like allowing this to happen. You know, they know that they're going to be used as scapegoats, and they're they're not preventing it. I
1: think a lot of um people are are literally uneducated. That's the first point. So then you got to look at you got a smaller percentage of people that know. My experience is the smaller percentage that know. I used to work with a lot of them side by side. They're making a lot of money and and you will leave that world of making a lot of money very quickly once you start to talk about these kinds of things. And that is, to me, the biggest reason why many people are remaining silent. So, again, go back to 9-11. On 9-11, um, I had just come back from Italy. I was talking with the uh, CEO of our company at that time. His name is Bob Ben-Moshe. He's now the CEO of AIG, at least, at least the last time I checked. Right, and, I'm, uh, I'm familiar he, with that guy. And he, he's, and he's he made, Jewish, right? Yes, and he made major, major investments, very aggressive investments right after September 11, 2001. (laughs) Well, it wasn't just him. It was the leaders of really the major financial services companies, the Fidelities, the Schwabs. Well, the reason why is they were all in a secret meeting um, with Warren Buffett on 9-11. And in that meeting, they were getting information about what was really going on. So they came back, they placed... Trades. If you if you take a look at MetLife, for instance, the largest increase in net assets that ever occurred in the history of the company occurs following 9/11. It's not uh, people don't realize it until they look at the books about three years, four years later, because they hold on to a lot of the equity and then they trade it then. But the the fact of it is, it occurs based on that billion dollar aggressive trading by this one guy, Ben Ben uh, Ben Moshe. So he ends up being a hero right ends up getting promoted to get some more lucrative job matter of fact he's you know a i g was the biggest financial institution to uh start to fail with the whole two thousand and eight financial disaster you know he's brought in uh, paid many 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 millions of dollars brought in to you know be a hero there well what, what people don't understand is that um there is the Wall Street group. Which a lot of times you'll say, "Oh, it's all Wall Street," you know, it's all about big money. But no, it, there's something more than Wall Street. If you go back to the 1912 investigation Congress conducted called the Money Trust Investigation, they studied Wall Street, this Wall Street din- dynamic, and they found out that it that it wasn't just Wall Street. It's it's actually documented as part of the official United States historical record. Okay, and you can get it from the Teach Peace Foundation if you've never seen it, and they show the dynastic banking families from Europe. That are controlling through these Wall Street corporations, not just the United States financial system, but the finding of Congress in 1912 was they were controlling the United States government. And so what happened is they got outed basically. They were counted. They were uh, the official name of the group was called the Money Trust Cartel, and they renamed themselves. They they bribed people, and they got the Federal Reserve Act passed the following year. And so the Federal Reserve, which is 100% privately owned, is owned by the same people, the same entities that were identified in the money trust the year before. Just massive, you know, propaganda. They 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 bought the newspapers. They they uh, if you see a broadcaster on TV, a major broadcaster, ABC, NBC, anything like that. The main ones are going to be intelligence officers. That's just the way it is. And they play ball. They report the stories they're supposed to report. And when something big comes in, whether it's a JFK assassination or a 9-11 or whatever, they make, they, they go to great lengths to make sure that no one gets close to the truth. That's the world okay. we live in now.
0: And that's, I'm sure that's why you hold American Free Press in such regard.
1: Well, American Free Press is... The only newspaper um, that is putting out information about movement for one world government, you know what the Bilderberg meetings are about, um, you know why it's important to know what happened with the atomic bomb in 1945, how that was used to move Japan into uh, region three in and in a ten region one world government, you know these kinds of stories um, are only coming out of your newspaper, and you know God bless you for doing that.
0: Well, thanks, Dave. Why don't we, well, I mean, we could we could talk about this all day, obviously, but what, why don't we move on to what you just mentioned here? Because the anniversary just passed, and the elite media had it all over the place. But again, most people do not understand the significance of what happened when the bombs were dropped on Japan, and uh, you were just out there. You made, it, I guess, a few trips. Back and forth from from here to there, why don't you why don't you tell listeners about that, about that particular campaign you're
1: working on? Well, the atomic bomb truth is very important. There are many people that are committed to abolishing nuclear weapons, but the fact of it is, if you don't understand the truth of what happened with the first use, you don't understand who's ultimately responsible. And ultimately, what we need to do to prevent these weapons from ever being used again. So it is a very important issue on a number of fronts. For mm-hmm. many Dave, people, let me just can also
0: before before you get in there into that, I I should have mentioned the book Atomic Bomb Secrets and of course the uh, the documentary The Secret in Nagasaki. So I, I wanted to ask about this uh, first. I wanted to let the listeners know about this, like I let them know about 911, the secret war, and the occult religion. But if you could. Uh, and, and please pick up wherever you want, but just summarize the, the key secrets revealed in the book and the documentary.
1: Okay, <clears throat> we've all been told that the atomic bomb was necessary to end the world war and World War III. At the same time, right after the war, we saw the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff make a statement that the bombs weren't necessary to end the Third World War. We saw an official. Uh, study done by the United States Strategic Bombing Survey, which interviewed hundreds of Japanese leaders and concluded that Japan would have surrendered in 1945 without the use of the atomic bomb, a U.S. invasion, or Russia entering the war. So there's been decades of, of serious you know, historical uh, pondering and how how can this be? So the first book in Japanese to ever be published to answer these questions was a-Bombs and Secret Societies, okay, which is a version of my Atomic Bomb Secrets book. Both books were published in Japan in July. The A-Bombs and Secret Societies version uh, was published out of Tokyo. And uh, because there was so much concern that if it was only published in one place, there might be efforts to uh, to frustrate that, there were two publishers in two different cities. And the Nagasaki version is different primarily in that it it includes all the primary source info, all the end notes, that kind of thing. So these two books come out in Japan. First time in Japanese, the Japanese people are learning very important things like Japan had an atomic bomb program. A lot of people never heard that before. But this book names the team members. It shows the equipment that they were using it identifies specifically what happened to the program. You know, it's, it, there's so much concrete evidence in the book that it can't be contested in Japan. So, so the very careful vetting. Uh, readers and, and and listeners here in in the United States probably don't know this, but Japan's different than the United States in that you don't publish a book like this without it being carefully vetted. So this book, Atomic Bomb Secrets, before it was published, the publisher went through it for a year, over a year and check source materials and you know we had all kinds of meetings with historians we had multiple meetings with uh, leaders of the um Hiroshima and Nagasaki Atomic Bomb Museum you know, I- at the end of the day i remember the last meeting we had with two of the top people at the Nagasaki Atomic Bomb Museum in in May and um a very famous professor in Japan is is my uh translator in this meeting and he says is there anything in the book or that we discussed that you factually disagree with. <clears throat> These two people said, No, it makes tremendous sense. But we work for the city of Nagasaki and we're not in a position to go against the our superiors. So we can't make a public statement. So it's just a very but you know, the bottom line is now that the books are published, things are starting to change in Japan and eventually this will this will be uh, you know, extremely well known. Um my my point is that when you understand that the atomic bombs were not necessary then to end the war, then you ask yourself the question: Why were they necessary? And Japan had a very um, uh, strong, it still does, culture. Very educated, and uh, in, in general, they're more educated than I would say the average American is. And yeah. they, yeah, be- because of yeah. their, because of their. Uh, uniqueness as a culture. They're the only country. If you look at the Club of Rome, the the 1968 plan that came out to to break the world into ten world regions, which is also mentioned in the Bible, those of you that are Christians will know that. Well, that ten world region plan, it only has one country in the whole world that's its own region, and that's Japan. And so in order to move Japan into this one world framework, they had to Architect a war against Japan, so if you go back before Pearl Harbor, many of your listeners probably don't know this, but there was an actual document it's been declassified It was an eight step plan that Roosevelt had developed to specifically draw Japan into attacking Pearl Harbor. If you've never seen that document again it's in my it's in my book um you you know, you start to scratch your head and say, "Okay." All of a sudden, the, many people know that there was an oil embargo, a nickel embargo, that kind of thing that the U.S. Congress had passed in in the summer of 1941 against Japan. They they know there were things like that that didn't make a lot of sense, but typically are acts that would move a country toward war. Well, when you see the actual document that Roosevelt had put together to To bring Japan into war, that's why the aircraft were in circles, that's why the ships were concentrated the way they were. It was all laid out in this plan early on. They wanted to have um, Pearl Harbor, such an easy target, that the Japanese would be dangling in front of them. It would be too hard for them to resist. So a lot of this requires basic knowledge of the secret society dimension of the relationship between Japan and the United States. So if you go back to nineteen oh five, you'll find out a member of the Brotherhood of Death, you know, is meeting with a Japanese member who's also connected to secret societies in the United States, dividing up the Philippines and Korea. You know, a lot of this is it's not just picking up with December seventh is my point. And so in atomic bomb secrets, I'll give you another huge secret that because Japan's atomic bomb program was north of the thirty eighth parallel at the end of World War II, Stalin, who desperately wanted an atomic bomb, wanted Korea split, and he wanted he wanted the communist possession of the uh, nuclear uh, plant that was built into a mountainside. He wanted that, and he wanted all the Japanese scientists to surrender to him. So sure enough, Stalin's a member of this Brotherhood of Death. People don't realize that. Truman's a member of this Brotherhood of Death. People often know Truman was a high-ranking Freemason, eventually reached the rank of the 33rd degree. Um, but very few people realize that you know, Freemasonry is the world's oldest, well, one of the oldest and largest Brotherhood of Death secret society fronts. And so when you start to realize the true purpose of Freemasonry, which, again, I spend some time on that in the atomic bomb secrets, if people are going to um, understand you know, the full story. They under, need to understand that part of it. And and for a lot of people, by the way, they're confused. They they, they think you know um, the Freemasons are just innocent and and the, the the Freemasons. While most Freemasons are good people and don't know what the true purpose of the organization is, that's true. That's why they have levels of secrecy. Um, the, the The purpose of Freemasonry has been very clearly documented throughout history. So if you look at 1884, there's Pope Leo the He writes an encyclical. In that encyclical, he identifies specifically that Freemasonry is secretly working to destroy the Catholic Church. Well, that's, that's their secret purpose, because they have another god, and that god is at war with the god of the Catholic Church. It goes back to my earlier comments about ancient Egypt. So, if, if you look at that document, which, by the way, is on the Teach Peace site, just go to the library, you can read the whole encyclical, What's fascinating about that is the worldwide leader of Freemasonry in 1884 responds to that document and acknowledges they're at war. That guy's name is Albert Pike, and his response is also on the THP site. So when people go and say, oh, no, the Freemasons, you know, Truman would never want to drop the bomb on the center of Christianity, you know, they are being ignorant of the fact that he was committed at at, at the highest levels to an organization that has had that stated goal since its inception. So another key secret in the book of Atomic, of atomic Bomb Secrets is that the Fat Man atomic bomb, which detonated over the Yurokami Cathedral, that that was not an accident of weather. That The pilots had hit their assigned target. And we also know that because pilot Charles Sweeney gave testimony that he and his team dropped the bomb within 500 feet of their assigned target. Now if anyone's ever looked at Nagasaki, you'll know that the primary military target is about 3 miles away, and it's to the south, it's the Mitsubishi naval shipyard. Well, the atomic bomb, because it was dropped 3 miles away, ended up doing essentially no damage, you know, to the to the shipyard, but it did wipe out the center of Christianity in Japan because that's where the Catholic Church was centered, and there had been organized campaigns to persecute the Catholic Church in Japan, going back for over 500 years. And um, the emperor and his connections to Freemasonry are also noteworthy. I have a picture, if people ever want to see this, go in the Atomic Bomb Secrets book. You'll see a picture of Truman wearing his Masonic regalia, and you'll see a picture later in the book of Emperor Hirohito wearing his Masonic regalia. And then you ask yourself, what was World War Two really all about? So those are just a few of the really big secrets in the book, Dave. Okay, Dave, did you want to uh, talk about these photographs a little bit? You know, I put some photographs on the Teach Peace site, and um, I shared them with you right before this call, and they're very interesting. And the reason why, when people go to teachpeace.com, you look at the bottom, you're going to see the Urakami Cathedral, and... It was turned into a movie projection screen on the night of August eighth, nineteen of uh, two thousand fifteen, for the seventieth anniversary. Okay, and they're reenacting what happened on August ninth, uh, nineteen forty-five. So the first picture people will see is Boxcar being shown on the cathedral. The next picture is Boxcar releasing the Fat Man bomb. The next picture is the Fat Man bomb um, falling right in front of the cathedral. Then there's an airburst, the airburst is occurring essentially where the Peace Statue is now today at that time. And then there's a mushroom cloud shown right on the cathedral. The final picture shows the cathedral, you know, fully destroyed. That is the truth of what really happened being shown in plain sight. And so my book explains this in great detail with primary source information that had never before been known in Japan and is causing quite a lot of discussion. Uh, now, among Japan's academics, as well as increasingly, you know, more and more people are picking it up because it is in the in the uh, major bookstores in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: when I think about all this stuff, Dave, I I think about you and me and the people that you know and the people that I know, and pretty much they're regular human beings. But it seems that these people are not regular human beings. Is it safe to say that? Are they that, well I mean, are they I, different
1: I, than human beings? I, I think we're all children of God. And what happens is some people believe that they are more important than God, or that they are a God, or that there is no God. This is my my world view. Once you go down one of those paths, a lot of bad things are gonna happen. Um I am a person who believes that we are not so much human beings having a spiritual experience, but we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And because we're eternal beings, we're created to love and serve each other. And if we're rooted and 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 being in the hands of God, you know, we're supposed to pray as if everything is in the hands of God and work as if we are the hands of God. When we approach life that way, beautiful things happen. And the fruits of, of what is good, um we we the, the fruits, it's mentioned in the Bible, are things like you become more kind, more patient, more more loving, more generous. You know, these are good things. I used to be in the world where people, you know, were making tremendous amounts of money and everything. And if you're focused on, on that, increasing your net worth, you know, the fruit of that is each year you're going to be a little less patient, a little less kind, probably a little less generous too. So, I mean, you can see these things. And so I think if we treat everyone you know this is jesus is famous for saying love your enemies i i really believe that if we treat everyone as a child of god that we don't want to see anyone spend eternal eternal uh or eternity in hell that we want everyone you know to to be with their families to be with god to to you know be in paradise then we can turn the other cheek we can continue to put our message out there if if people don't want to hear our message then love them with acts of kindness And, uh, you know, I'll I'll give you a classic example. Probably the toughest um, conflict in the world right now is between Israel and Gaza in terms of people mentally being able to sometimes say they can be at peace. If the Israeli people would pressure their government that every time some kind of act of violence that was attributed to the Palestinians occurred, they were going to respond with medicine, doctors, food, clean water, things like that, there would there would be no conflict. it would be the most proactive uh, right. fantastic way to, but what they do is just the opposite and a matter of fact, if they don't have enough violence going on in Gaza, the Israeli government actually fabricates it i mean I know because i've been there i can yeah. I can tell you it's 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 a horrible thing to um, and, and our government does it too. I'm, I'm not saying that you know that this is unique to them. Governments throughout the world are famous for this. Matter of fact, this week there was a big news article about the French government attacking the Greenpeace uh, ship, and one yes. of the frogmen feeling you know remorse for having killed innocent people and that kind of stuff was part of a f- false flag operation. This happens all over the place, all the time. So the first thing we should do when an act of violence occurs against us is not retaliate, but really take time to understand. If we invested the time to understand what happened on 9-11 or with the atomic bomb or any of these other things that we're talking about early on, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today. We would have found out that these guys were responsible. We would have put him in jail I'm not, I'm not in favor of the death penalty. I would have given him life sentences. That's just my personal thing and And um we would have learned from them. Matter of fact, when someone's in jail, you, you know you can really find out a lot of stuff about what's going on. Albert Speer is a great example. He's one of the top Nazi leaders. Uh, he revealed a lot of important details in his book that was subsequently published uh, inside the Third Reich. so i you know, I think we should uh, love people and at the same time hold them accountable and you know that means a lot of the people that we see right now as heroes uh, whether it's a Barack Obama or whatever these are people that deserve to be in jail George Bush Barack Obama they should be in jail for the rest of their life um they've committed tremendous acts of treason against this country and you know this is this is uh, easily supported with the evidence uh, Classic example, Uh, Henry Kissinger just published a book called World Order. It's literally a book calling for the new world order. If people listening to this interview have never heard or seen the documentaries um, produced, Christopher Hitchens' work on why Henry Kissinger is really a war criminal, you need to look at that and ask yourself, how can a guy win a Nobel Peace Prize and at the same time be one of the world's, uh, you know, have have so much blood on his hand for all the – and that's just because – Perceptions are being managed. The 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 criminals are becoming the, the, the heroes.
0: Yeah,
1: that's I, I like that
0: term you used earlier on, perception management campaign. And that's all it is, because they gave Obama the peace prize before he even did anything, before he even became a war criminal, which is exactly what he is, killing all these innocent people. It's a shame, Dave. It's scary and uh but it's important like you said for people to wrap their minds around this and to and to dig into these books like like I try to do you know with with a regular they, book uh, and with a highlighter yeah
1: Go on ahead. on obama just remember they gave him the award after he had got blood officially on his hands and so what what happened was obama became an intelligence officer uh, there was, uh, back when I was an intelligence officer, there was something called the 1982 Intelligence Officers Identities Protection Act. And so since then, the media hasn't been talking about it. But Barack Obama, he joined the CIA in 1983. And that was um, documented. If you look at his memoirs very carefully, you'll see he admits that right of graduating from Columbia, he went to work for Business International Corporation. Well, the New York Times in 1984 outed business, the BIC as uh, having been created by an executive order by Ronald Reagan as a front name for the CIA. So not only, I went to Indonesia, I did first-hand research on this, by the way. Not only was Barack Obama a CIA officer, his mother was a CIA officer working under the uh, front of the Ford Foundation, and his grandparents were CIA officers. Now, while many CIA officers are just good people thinking they're doing what they're doing to help the country and all that, the reality is the CIA was created by the Skull and Bones Front of the Brotherhood of Death. And that's why the Skull and Bones have dominated those positions from the very beginning. And when you understand that Barack Obama is not this community organizer, that he is first and foremost not going to promote the interests of the American people or the black community or anything like that, he's first and foremost the Bilderberger. He's going to promote the interests of the ruling Brotherhood of Death elite. Then you'll realize why why I say his acts of treason are far beyond you know in the first two weeks killing a wedding party with a bunch of drones that kind of thing, and then you'll understand why they motiv- why they gave him that award the real reason they gave him award he 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 went through his full initiation when he committed those murders
0: that's uh like I said it's scary stuff to think about it, and you mentioned Colombia, of course, there's no evidence that he ever went to Columbia, because I think there's still a $1 million reward out there for anybody that was his classmate to come forward and say, yeah, I went to class with him. You know, I always say, I wish I went to Columbia at that time, because I could use the million dollars, but uh, another uh, creation in this guy's existence.
1: But, Dave, uh, keep in Dave, mind this, yes, when, when people pray... Don't underestimate the power of prayer. The solution is there. I'm working on a documentary right now about Akita, Japan. The greatest miracles that have occurred in our lifetime occurred in Akita, Japan. People don't even know they happened because the media suppressed it. Um, Over 100 authenticated miracles by the Catholic Church occurred between 1973 and 1982 in Akita. And God is trying... To tell is is working very hard to tell us that if we pray to god and ask god for his help in defeating this brotherhood of death god will supernaturally do it for us and i know this sounds crazy to a lot of people but if you think about what happened with moses moses did not defeat the emperor with military you know and a military uprising it was a supernatural solution from god same with uh, uh jericho you know the hebrew people did not destroy their enemies in Jericho. Uh, through just, you know, storming the walls. They carried the Ark of the Covenant around the city of Jericho seven times, and the the walls came down on their own. God has a solution for us now, and that solution requires us to understand Fatima, Akita, pray, pray to God for this kind of help, and we can bring about a period of peace and prosperity for not only ourselves, but our children and grandchildren that is beyond anything that's ever occurred in human existence. And that's the most threatening and dangerous thing that's been said in this entire discussion. That's the secret, that they're going to great lengths to make sure it keeps suppre- is, is kept suppressed. Dave, the answer is in front of us. We just don't know it. We have to pray to God for his help.
0: Dave, you're a great man. You're a great American. And thank you for coming on and, and explaining all this to the listeners. And I hope that we can do this again real soon.
1: Well, thank you for your kind words, Dave, and God bless you and the American Free Press for all the good work that you're doing.
0: Thank you, Dave.